Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Breakfast with Champions. It's your boy, C-Rock. Listen, man, I have a very difficult pronounced last name. Most people have trouble with it, so that's why they call me C-Rock. And everybody in the room, I consider a friend, so please... Call me C-Rock. I'm, I'm uh, filling in for Glenn today. He happens to be traveling. And anytime I have the opportunity to step in the, the shoes of a giant like Glenn Lundy, man, I'll take opportunity all day long. And I'm very gracious for Glenn for obviously providing this space for all of us and also for allowing me to come up here and share because uh, I never thought I'd have the opportunity to do something like this, you know, four, five, six years ago. And so over the last three to four years, I really went on a mission to start playing a bigger game and impacting this planet. And the reason I'm getting into this right now is because the gentleman that I'm going to be interviewing today has helped himself and he's helped many others overcome the fear of communication, communication on video, communication in front of others. And, you know, a lot of people in this audience, I'm sure can relate to this and if not now, but definitely in the past, probably everybody can relate to this. 
the fear of speaking, public speaking, the fear of judgment of others, you know, the fear of fear. <laughs> and uh, let's get Brendan uh, a big round of applause. I want to welcome Brendan. By the way, Brendan, can you pronounce your last name for me so I don't butcher it? Hey, Sirox. So great to be here. And this incredible group of people, Breakfast of Champions, such an honor to be here. It's Kumar Sami, my friend. Kumar Sami. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to mess it up. That's the same thing as mine. So maybe we can call you K-Rock. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Brendan, man, welcome welcome to the room. I, I'm not sure if you've spoken here before. I haven't heard you. If you have, uh, let's let's one-up the last, the last appearance. And let's share with everybody. You know, I always have a question when I interview people. It's part of my podcast that I have. But I always ask this question to start off, and I think it kicks things off great, is what are you made of? Wow, that's a beautiful question, Cyril. First of all, thank you so much for, for having me, everyone. It's always an honor to be amongst all of you amazing champions and this fine morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. And I would say, what am I made of? I would say the biggest thing that I'm made out of is impact, right? Helping other people in any way that I can. You know, my essence, the way that I live is, is to help other people succeed. And it, for me, it ends up being with communication. And there's this great quote that I feel we can start off with that I usually say at the end, but I'll say at the beginning. It's by one of my mentors, Scott Harrison, who's the CEO of Charity Water. And he says that the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will. And that quote always stuck with me. So I would say the thing I made out of C-Rock is probably impact and helping other people. Back over to you, my friend. Love it, man. Uh, that's uh, that's like that reminds me of the word legacy. You know, leaving something behind that others can remember. Because you know, can you imagine passing away and then people come to your funeral, and then a week goes by and most people just go about their life and move on. You know, and and that's something I think about when I wake up in the morning is like, whose hero can I be today? Because heroes are remembered. So I love that, man. And and as far as the topic of communication. Before we get any further, can we please get the shares of this room up? We have 350, 356 people in here right now, and uh, the total shares is 144. So, as you know, I set targets and I hit my targets, and I don't do it by myself ever. I use other people's help. I ask for help. Let's get the room share up to 200. That's the target, 200, because we want to hear Brendan and we want to share Brendan's knowledge and wisdom with others. So, let's hit that target. You hit the share button at the bottom. It's a square with the arrow, you know, pointing up. Share to Clubhouse and say that we're keeping you hostage in here and please come help you. That's my favorite line to use. It really gets attention. Do something to get attention. It's a little lesson for you. So we'll get those shares up to 200 and I will give a prize away once we do to a random person. All right. I'll do that with my kids and it seems to work. <laughs> and and C-Rock has a weapon of wisdom aimed at us. <laughs> What's that weapon? Weapon oh, of oh, wisdom. Oh. Weapon Brendan, of wisdom. Brendan's, <laughs> the weapon. Brendan's the weapon. All right. So Brendan, so Brendan, listen. So one thing about communication, I, I'm I'm going to ask you some questions of how you got to where you are. But before I do that, on the topic of communication, I always say communication is the cause of all problems, and also the solution of all problems. What does the word communication mean to you, and what has it meant to you? And as you've evolved into who you are today and continue to evolve, what does that word mean to you? That's a beautiful question, Sirach. Absolutely. I, I love what you think about when it comes to communication, cause and solution. For me, communication is every interaction that we have with every human being in our life, right? I've always believed that communication is the most important skill that will allow us not only to speak on a stage or do well at work or get the sale that we're looking to get, but more importantly, to lead a fulfilling life. And, and for me, when I got started with communication, I was started at the age of five for me. I guess. Well, I've been communicating, I guess, since I was a baby, but five is where the story begins. And I was born and raised in a city called Montreal. And for those who don't know, Montreal is a city where French is actually a super important language that you need to know how to master. So my parents looked at me one day, C-Rock, and said, hey, I need you to go to French school, Brendan. You need to go there to learn the language. But there was one problem. I didn't know how to speak the language. So my whole life, not only was I scared of communication and public speaking, I had to present in a language I didn't even know. So when I was in first and second grade, I would look at the crowd of first graders and second graders and say, uh, bonjour. And that was my life growing up as a kid. And then later on, when I went into university, this was probably 10, 15 years later, 
I started doing these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age are playing basketball or rugby or some other sport I probably wouldn't play. I was really focused on presentations competitively. And that's how I learned how to speak. But then after that, what happened is I started coaching people who are younger than me on how to communicate ideas because we didn't have a speech coach in university. And then after a few years of doing that, I realized that after coaching a hundred people, that a lot of the information I had on communication wasn't available for free on the internet. So a few years ago, I started the YouTube channel Master Talk to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking. But going back to you, Sirak, I would say communication means different things for different people. So for me, I always believe that everyone has a different intrinsic motivation to communication. For one person that I've interacted with in my life, he wants to get better at communication to show his wife the world. And I asked him why. And he said, well, Brandon, my wife doesn't speak English that well. So if I could communicate better and I can go to the world and travel the world, I can take her there and show her the world. And for somebody else, it's building a massive company. For somebody else, it's building a great family. But it also starts this question. I'll throw it back to you, C-Rock. And the question I want all of you to think about is how would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? And once you find that reason, that reason that's unique to you, you'll be one step closer to mastering your communication skills. Back over to you, Sira. Well, well, uh, yeah, so the history there was fantastic because I was getting ready to dive into that, but I'm going to dive into that a little deeper. But before I do that, a lot of people in the audience are parents. And when you're talking to your kids and communicating with your kids, and I'm going to be vulnerable and transparent here, I'll get frustrated and, and lose my patience, not yelling too much or or like ever, ever, ever laying a hand on the kids, but just like, why don't you understand what I'm saying to you? And we need to take responsibility. We need to take responsibility to make sure the children understand us and what we're saying, because we think they understand us. And that doesn't just go for children. It also goes for other adults. Part of communication, people think, is just one way outward, outflow, right? So talk to us about the the importance of making sure that the other party, let's say terminal B and your terminal A, can duplicate what you said properly and 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 share that thought on it that it's a more of a two-way street. Oh yeah, absolutely, Sirach. Great question. So the way that I think about it, which is similar to what you said, is the idea that you know, communication is so much more than just speaking on a stage. It's also the way that we interact with our family members and our children and the people around us. And, and one quote that I always like to share is, when you listen more to the world, the world listens back to you. So if you want to create a space where, you know, your children are comfortable speaking to you, not you in particular, but the audience, then you must first embrace the idea of listening and creating that two-way communication stream. But now the question becomes, how do we become better communicators with our family members, the people around us? And this is a strategy that I teach called questions versus statements. So whenever we're communicating with somebody, we want to specifically look at what percentage of what we're saying are statements versus questions. So what do I mean by that? So let's say me and you, C-Rock, are having a coffee together you know, we're meeting in person. Generally, I don't just answer questions all the time because I'm in a podcast setting. I have to because that's what adds value for the audience. But generally, I'd be asking you a bunch of questions about your life because I'm sure you have a fantastic one that I can learn from. But most conversations, C-Rock, generally goes like this. This is what I believe. Then the other person goes, well, this is what I believe. And it goes statement, 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 statement. And when we audit that specifically, we realize that 80 to 90% of what we say are actually statements, not questions. So if you want to get better at communicating with others and building that intimacy, building those relationships, whether it's with our children, whether it's with the people around us, what I encourage all of you to do is to ask yourself, how can I ask more questions to the people around us instead of simply giving advice? And this is what children don't like too much from their parents. They don't like being told what to do all the time. I mean, we don't even like being told what to do many of the time. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be giving advice. But what I am saying is to be a bit more curious. Ask the one or two extra questions. Why do you think this is important? 
why should we be doing this? One, one fun trick that I like to teach parents to do with their kids that people can implement. I'll give a few. One is if they want something, if your kid wants something like a, a Xbox or some box of chocolates, you could just ask them to make a presentation around it to explain why they want that thing, which is fascinating because it helps them work on their communication skills and their motivation is really high to work on that presentation. The my kids, thing, my, my, my oh, kids are really, my kids are really good at that. I don't even have to tell them if I, <laughs> if we say no, or, you know, let me think about, it. man, they go into sales mode. And I'm not sure where they got that from, Ramon. <laughs> I'd love to continue, Brendan. Hey, by the way, if you guys if you guys aren't taking notes, you're missing out. Write down the word curious, be curious, and also write down more questions, less statements. All right, Brendan. Thanks so much, C-Rock. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, so definitely more questions, less statements, being more curious. And then the last piece that I, that I'd recommend as well is an exercise I call the random word exercise. So all you have to do really is pick a random word like couch, like box, like sofa, and you do this exercise with your kids. You have you give them a random word and you also take one, you create presentations out of thin air. So this is a fun way to interact with kids and help them improve their communication. But to make communication two ways, start asking more questions and saying less statements. Oh man, this is this is good stuff, guys. This is really good stuff. And you know what? It's stuff that I know, <laughs> but it's buried into a lot of deep and dark places that I haven't looked in a while. So, uh, man, keep bringing the fire here. So let's take us back for a second to when you were younger and you had the, an opportunity to speak or a, a time that, like, let's just talk about the first one that comes to mind where you were last embarrassed and it had to do with communication or presentations. Oh, sure, C-Rock. I got a bunch of those, but I'm happy to sure one today absolutely so i gave a keynote a few years ago and in that keynote i was asked to speak in front of three to four hundred kids between the ages of 12 and 18 on the topic of communication and public speaking so of course i was excited it was probably one of the biggest keynotes ever spoken at the time so i spent some time just researching preparing and we're talking for months, Sirach, not weeks. I practiced that bloody presentation for like two, three months. So then I get to the day of the presentation, get into my car, I take the Uber, it's freezing outside because I live in Montreal. So naturally the keynote's in the middle of the winter and I get there and then I walk up to the director of the nonprofit and, he, and she looks at me and says, Oh, Brendan, uh, before you go on in 20 minutes, I forgot to mention, could you do half the presentation in French and the other half in English? Because half of the room doesn't speak English. And I just went, uh, uh, wait, sorry, could you repeat that for me? And she said, yeah, can you do half of it in French? And I started shaking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reason I was so afraid was, well, I practice the whole thing in English. Of course, I do speak French as a language, but I did not prepare to speak in my second for half of my most important keynote of my life. So yes, clearly I was nervous and I could probably could have done a bit better. But I would say what helped me push through that fear, Sirach, is, is what I call the fear versus versus message analogy. So let's go through that because I think it's relevant to the story. Let's imagine public speaking like a boxing ring so one side of the ring is your fear and the other side of your ring is your message so let's jump into the fear fear anxiety the stress of course in that moment was i stressed absolutely definitely fearful but the other piece of that is the message and what i always love to say is the goal is not to remove the fear even when you're somebody who coaches other people in communication like me there's always going to be situations Iraq, where i'm still going to be nervous too whether that's the situation i'm talking about right now which where i'm told at the last minute that i have to give half of it in french or when let's say Elon Musk called me and he said, Oh, Brenda, I need you to coach my communication. Yeah. Would I shit my pants? Absolutely. Right. That's the, that's the key. There's always something that's going to scare us. But the other side of the ring of that boxing match is the message. 
why is this important for us to share? Why is this key? Why do we need to share the idea? So the goal, once again, is not to remove the fear, but rather make sure that your message is just a bit more important than the fear that it comes with. So as long as your message gets the knockout punch, you'll always be successful. Think about me, C-Rock. I started making YouTube videos in my mother's basement on executive communication at the age of 22. And I started coaching CEOs at the same age. How does that even make any sense? There's people who, that I've coached in my life that literally worked longer in their companies than I was alive. So I had a lot of nerves, a lot of stress pressing record the first time. So why did I do it? I definitely didn't do it because I didn't have any fear. I did it for the 15-year-old girl who couldn't afford me. Because if you're 15 years old right now and you go on YouTube, you can't relate to anyone when it comes to communication and public speaking. So that's the key, message versus fear. Back over to you. Yeah, man, right on. I love it. So going up on stage, going up on stage, you're nervous. It's nothing. There's nothing wrong with being excited, little nerves. But for me, uh, and I just love to hear your thoughts on this. For me, I start thinking about it's for them. It's not about me. So to get the ego out of the way. And then the content, I focus on the content. And as long as I'm prepared, and as long as I make it about the audience and not myself, my nerves go away. But then I also started thinking, this is the other thing I'll add to this and, and get your thoughts on. I started thinking just two days ago, I was thinking, man, you know, why am I so comfortable presenting? Why am I so comfortable getting on Clubhouse or doing podcasts? Why is it? And then, and then I realized, I'm like, well, I, I've done over 200 podcasts on my own. I've done 400 interviews on other people's. And then I started looking back deeper. And I'm 45 years old now, but I did in-home sales for nine years back in the day in my 20s. And I did a really conservative number of presentations that I did based on working. I worked six days, but I only did the calculation on five days and two a day, which I probably did way more than two a day. And it was 4,200 presentations, <laughs> 4,200. And, and, and sometimes we forget all the work that we put in when we've been consistent and chipping away. So preparation, repetition, and practice. Can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely, Siraki. Congrats on your success. Incredible. 4,200 presentations. Incredible. Amazing. Yeah, definitely practice does make perfect. But the other piece that I would add to that, C-Rock, so that people can get results a bit faster, is practicing in the right way gets results much faster. So what does that mean? The analogy I like to use is for me, C-Rock, presentations are like a jigsaw puzzle. Right, so I'm sure all of us know it as a jigsaw puzzle. It's kind of that toy that we used to play as kids. You have a box. There's thousands of pieces, or in our, my case, probably hundreds of pieces. I couldn't really do a thousand-piece puzzle. And you put them together, and you complete the set. So the question I want all of you to think about right now in the room is, if you're working on a puzzle, which pieces would you start with first? And generally speaking, most people tend to answer the edges. And the reason is simple, because the corner pieces, the edge pieces are easier to find in the box. They got those little edges to them. And then you put those puzzles together on the corners and then you work your way into the middle. That's the key to mastering the puzzle. But here's the thing, we don't do that in public speaking, C-Rock. We actually tend to do the opposite. We wake up, we start presenting. So what do we do? We start shoving a bunch of content in our presentation. Shove, 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 shove. We start with the middle first. We get to the presentation. We ramble through the whole thing. And then the last slide sounds something like this. Uh, um, uh, yeah, so uh, thanks. Not the best way of approaching <laughs> presentations. So instead, what you want to do is present like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first. Practice your introduction, just your introduction, 30, 40, 50 times. 50 times seems like a big number, gang, but it really isn't because your introduction is like 60 seconds. So it'll take you probably an hour to practice this 50 times or so. Same thing with the conclusion. Practice that 30, 40, 50 times. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. Same thing with the close. And then after you master the edges, you'll build a lot of momentum. Because most of us, when we practice, we generally do the whole 30-minute presentation 
four or five times, we get tired, we get lunch, and we don't see incremental improvements in our game versus if we spend an hour just practicing our introduction, it'll be the best introduction of our life and then tackle the middle. Wow, man. Yeah. And it makes it, you're breaking it down by little bite-sized pieces, right? So uh, what, what about the importance of having a story to tell and sharing a story in a, in a talk? Yeah, absolutely, C-Rock. So there's two components to that. The first one, you know, as, as Les Brown says so well, you know, never tell a story without a point, never make a point without telling a story. I always love that quote because it's so simple and true is there's two pieces to telling great stories. And the first one is having the key idea, the key outcome, and I'll help people with that with a question later. And the second piece is figuring out the story that helps prove the outcome. So let's- Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you wanna know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Let's start with the key idea. A lot of coaches talk about the key idea, but allow me to draw a scenario to help people figure out what they want to share in one idea. So I want all of you to imagine Okay, the following scenario. Let's say it's your last day on earth. Okay, last day, you've, you've led an incredible life, but today is your last day. And you get to give a presentation on any topic that you want, something you care about. You know, first real estate, it could be about communication. It could be about cooking. You pick any presentation. you want. And you can go on for as long as you want. You could present for five hours. You could present for seven minutes. The choice is entirely yours, except one problem. And the problem is your audience, whoever's listening to you, forgets everything except for one sentence. Okay, they forget everything except for one sentence. So the question now is after your presentation, you're done, your life is over. So the question is, what do you want that sentence to be? And that, my friends, is the key idea. And this scenario helps us really narrow down if there's only one thing, one sentence that I want to leave for the world that I want to leave for this presentation, what would that one sentence be the one thing that everyone has to remember, right? Like for Les Brown, it's be hungry, right? That's his tagline for Tony Robbins is the secret of living is giving all of us have that one sentence, that one tagline, figure out what yours is. And then the other piece is how do you tell stories around that outcome? So once you figure that out, the next piece to figure out is what stories in my life can I use to help me get better at this? But one caveat I will add C-Rock and for the team is you don't want to start with storytelling. I always like to tell people that I work with, that storytelling is important, but mastering the foundations is more important. I always equate public speaking to juggling 18 balls at the same time. One of those balls is, you know, looking at the camera lens, being great with eye contact. Another one of those balls is vocal tone variety, pacing, etc. But instead of focusing on all of those balls, practice on juggling one at a time. Get really good with smiling. Then get really good at getting rid of your filler words, your ums, your ahs. Then get really good at pacing, then vocal tones, and then ball 15 or 16 is going to be storytelling. Then last piece I'll say on stories is once you figure out the list of stories, the last piece to being a great storyteller is being willing to test. Think about the story that I shared earlier in today's interview. You know, when I was a five-year-old kid, I was nervous, I was stressed out. That's one of 30, 20, 25 stories that I tested out. And it turned out that was the one that the audiences I spoke to resonated the most with because they wouldn't put me on a pedestal anymore. Before I would tell that story, somebody might come up to me and say, oh, you're a great speaker, but I can never be you. And I said, well, what do you mean? I literally, the key message that I want to share is that, of course, you could be me. If I, if I could be a great speaker, why can't you? All of you are powerful. But my stories weren't helping me achieve that outcome. 
But when I started being vulnerable and talking about my own insecurities as a speaker, people started looking at me more as an equal. And they said, well, if Brendan could do it, I could do it too. And then my mission can be served. So Brendan, uh, before I go to the next question, uh, we are at 183 shares of the room and that means we're 17 short of 200. So I'm going to say we need 18. I need 18 shares of this room, guys. This information would help so much, so many people. And if we don't share this room, we're actually being selfish and selfish actually is equal to almost evil. So <laughs> help me out here. And when we get to 200, I'm giving away a prize to a random person. Uh, let's go, man. Let's get this thing up. There's 300 some people. There we go. 190. I appreciate you guys. Come on, let's keep pushing. We hit targets here. All right, so Brendan, ums and ahs. A lot of folks have ums and ahs. And there is a way to get around that very quickly, I'm sure. Can you explain to people the best way to get rid of the fillers? And I noticed President Obama used to do it a lot. And I'm not sure if that was intentional that he did that or not. But at the end of the day, we do not need to say ums and ahs. And what are your thoughts and ways around that? Of course, happy to see you. Great question. So the key to filler words is to first understand why we say them in the first place. And the reason we say them in the first place is because whenever we forget what we want to say next, we use filler words to buy time. So let's say you ask me a question, Sirak. You go, okay, Brendan, what about filler words? Normally what people do is they go, uh, um, let me, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the answer. So notice how I'm using filler words to buy time. But here's the secret that a lot of the best speakers on the planet want you to know that no one else is implementing. And the secret is this. The best speakers on the planet don't know what they want to say either, but they replace, right? They replace the filler words with nothing. So if C-Rock asks me a question, I don't know the answer. Instead of going, uh, 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 well, yeah, this is the answer. What I do instead is I just pause. And then I say, oh, well, C-Rock, that's a great point. And I'm pausing again so I can answer the question. And I'm buying more time. And that's the secret. But now the piece is how do you practice this and get results really quickly? The technique I would share is called long stares. And I'll throw a caveat out here. I'm sure less than 1% of people in this audience will take action on this tip because it's not easy. But if you do it, you will be in the top 1% and you will get the results that the 99% aren't willing to get. So here's the strategy. Strategy C-Rock is called long stares. Okay, another word for this that I call is the endless gaze. So here's what you do. You pick somebody that you like and your friends, your family, people at your house, and you literally stare at them for three minutes. You can blink. You just can't talk or do anything else. Just Most like your people... pro just like your profile picture right now. It's like you're staring at us, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, C Rock. Yeah, I know. Maybe I should change. No, 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 no. We're all staring. We're all staring at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's the key, right? I, I guess I'm practicing the endless gaze with my picture, but, but that's really the secret. It's the willingness to do the harder thing. And some of you might be wondering, well, Brendan, I can't pause for three minutes in a presentation. And my response to that is that's not the goal. The goal is practice doing the harder thing. If you're comfortable pausing for three, five, seven minutes, at a time without saying anything. Well, if you need a pause for two to three seconds, like I'm doing right now in this great episode with C-Rock, well, I can use pauses as a leverage and I don't say any filler words anymore. So that's the secret. Yeah, and let's go to the reason why it's difficult for people. And I think, and if, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it has to do with silence being awkward for people and uncomfortable for people, right? Oh, absolutely. Silence are definitely uncomfortable with people. And I would also argue that it's harder today to master the art of silences and pausing because there's so many more distractions in our life. You know, we got phones, we're always texting people. We don't really spend that time to connect intimately with other human beings. And that's really the challenge with, with pausing and silencing. So what I would encourage people to do is realize the potential that you have as a speaker 
if you push through that. Like, imagine if I came up on the stage, everyone, and I wasn't a great speaker. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm here for the interview. You, you wouldn't take my advice seriously. You'd be like, who's this guy? He's a communication coach. Doesn't know how to communicate. So think of it like this. Going back to the question, how would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? Reflect on that. Find that internal motivation because it's going to be different for all of us. For me, it's I think the next Elon Musk is a seven-year-old girl who can't afford me. So that's why I invest a lot of my capital that I make from clients into my YouTube channel. But for somebody else, it's, hey, I want to have a better relationship with my mother. I want a better relationship with my family. So when you find what that internal reason is for you, it's going to be much easier to push through that discomfort, knowing that there's a clear goal, a clear benefit, a clear outcome waiting on the other side of those exercises. Love it. Love it. All right. So we hit 215 shares. Guys, we blew the target away. Thank you so much. See, we set our mind to something. We're intentional, focused. We can blow it away. I probably set the goal too low. That's what it sounds like to me. So uh, thank you for doing that to everyone. Brendan definitely appreciates. I know Glenn and the rest of the Breakfast with Champions appreciate you sharing this room, getting it out there, and sharing it with the people that follow you. Brendan, I'm going to open it up to questions if you're cool with that. Absolutely. Okay, before I do, one last question for me. I have a law called the rocket fuel law. Many have heard it, many have not. But that law states that if you take everything that comes your way when you're trying to achieve something, discouragements, letdowns, setbacks, failures, if you take all of that stuff, which I call toxicity, and you store it in your tank as fuel instead of your trunk where most people keep it, where it weighs you down, it slows you down, and stops you, but if you keep it in your tank, you can convert it into rocket fuel and you can become unstoppable at, your, at achieving. And so my question on this topic of the rocket fuel law is, what is one thing that sticks out to you that's been one of the biggest setbacks? Maybe it's a discouragement from someone in your life. Maybe it was a letdown. What, what is the biggest one for you that you were able to take and not store it in your trunk, but store it in your tank to convert as rocket fuel? Beautiful way of phrasing the question, Sirak. Yeah, I would say for me, Definitely a lot of challenges growing up as a kid. You know, I, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. You know, my dad was an alcoholic. I didn't grow up with a lot of money. And I felt that many of the lessons I learned from my childhood were a rocket fuel for, for the success that I have today. And, you know, what I always like to say to people is when we have these challenges, these obstacles, and I love the way that you phrased it. Another way I would do it is... It is that very obstacle that allows us to embrace the opportunity. You know, Tony Robbins says it best, without challenges, what is the point of life? If, if everything in life was easy, everything in life was, you know, simple to achieve, then what would be the point of going through life in the first place? It wouldn't make our wins meaningful. And, and I de definitely agree with it. So whenever you think about the obstacles in your life, all you have to do is change the frame change the meaning, change the story around what that means to you. So if you have, uh, you know, challenges in your life, like for me, with with the dysfunctional father and, and things that I had, when I reinterpreted that story as a source of strength and said, well, if I could handle that, I could handle anything. If I could do this, I could probably help people with their communications, I probably achieve this level of success then you can use that to your point as rocket fuel. But if you internalize it in the wrong way and you derive the wrong meaning that doesn't help you get the result you want, you won't achieve it. So the question I have for the audience to reflect on, then we'll open up to Q&A, is what story do I need to tell myself to be successful? What story do I need to tell myself to get the results that I'm looking for in life? What story do I need to constantly share within myself that allows me to move forward rather than backward towards the goals that I have in my life. Yeah, I, I talk about the story a lot, man. It's all about the story. I absolutely love that. Before we go to the audience for questions, I want to make sure everybody knows the chat's open on the left. Give Brendan some love in the chat. Go check out the link at the top we have posted there. It is rockstarcommunicator.com. That's Brendan's site. And Brendan, before we get into Q&A also, what's the best way for people to uh, engage with you? Is it through the site there or a social media platform? Thanks so much, C-Rock. What a wonderful conversation. You've been such a great interviewer. Really appreciate it, brother. 
Yeah, there's definitely two ways to, to keep in touch. The first one is check out my YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Master Talk. You type Master Talk in one word on YouTube and you'll find me there. We have hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively and it's all free. So you can just go check that out. And the second way to keep in touch for those of you who want to see me in action, giving a workshop for free, I do a free training on effective communication every two to three weeks over Zoom. I'm coaching people for free. It's not a webinar. And the website to access that is rockstarcommunicator.com. Thanks so much, Sarah. All right, all right. Let's go to the questions. Anybody have something? Just say your name. Come off mute. This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Hi, Brandon. C-Rock, this is great. Sorry, I'm on the Peloton. So my question is, I've, um, I've been wanting to get on more stages, so I have three invites this year. And it's like I have this um, little mix-up between sharing my story, you know, having it be about me, be the inspiration, kind of like what you guys just talked about with your past, and you, how, how you transform that into something empowering, and then delivering information. So, Brandon, is there a specific way, and maybe this is something you discuss in your webinar, to like a certain way to deliver that from, do you share the story first? Do you do it in the middle? When do you get to the point of the takeaways? I tend to like get right to the punchline too fast and don't have the context to go back to. And so what I'm working on right now is how to lay that foundation to draw them into the story and then give them the takeaways. Do you have any pointers on that? Absolutely, Kim. Happy to. And before I get to that, congratulations on getting three invites. That's really wonderful. So you're clearly doing something right, which is, which is great. I feel we don't celebrate enough the wins that we get in communication. So congrats on that. And, and the, uh, the other piece I would say, Kim, there's no right answer. Like, I, I don't like giving, oh, okay, this is the framework. You have to follow this framework. Instead, what I would, I would challenge you to think about is reverse engineer the success you want in the presentation. So I would sit down with yourself and go, okay, what is the one thing that I want people to take away from this entire speech? And then you write that down in a piece of paper. And then you go, okay, from that key idea, what are the three things? And three things, I say things very, um, uh, very broadly because those things could be data points, they could be anecdotes, they could be stories, they could be statistics, they could be metaphors, analogies. What are the three tools that I can use that I feel best defend my message? So let me give you an example with me so that's more uh, concrete. My key idea is I believe any human being in the world can be an exceptional speaker. That's my goal. That's my ethos in life. So there's three key ideas, tools that I use to defend that, that sentence, overarching sentence. So the first one is, of course, my personal story around communication. Well, this Brendan guy can master communication. Why can't everyone? With uh, you know, when I was five years old and I struggled with communication my whole life. So it's a personal story. The second tool that I use is easy practical tips. So notice how whenever I'm in an interview setting, I only give really easy tips to implement. And that's done intentionally. I never want to give advanced tips on an interview, not because I don't want to share the information, but because I know most people in a crowd are generally beginners unless they've already invested in a speech coach that can go into more advanced stuff. So I want them to feel like they can implement everything I'm sharing. So if it's simple for me, it's going to be simple for them, which means they'll implement. And then the third tool is personality. So when I communicate, I always want to make sure that I sound like somebody at a coffee store you're speaking with rather than somebody on a stage speaking to 30,000 people. So I'm more relatable to people. So those are the three tools I use to defend my message. And that's kind of like the behind the curtain way of how I structure today's presentation or whenever I give a keynote in general. So I would encourage you to follow that same format. What's the key idea that you want to defend? And what are the three tools you want to use to master uh, your presentation? Last thing I'll say on this is don't expect this to be mastered overnight. I, I've probably done you know, a few hundred interviews before I got to this level of you know, speaking on a podcast or in a pod clubhouse setting. So don't be, um, don't be discouraged if you kind of miss the boat on some key ideas or points. I would say keep working on a singular theme, focus on one presentation and do it so many times until it's absolutely perfect. Just wanted to check in with you, Kim. Does that make sense? Any follow-up questions there? 
amazing, exactly what I wanted. Cause I noticed I was following you since last year and I noticed that you give like, you're saying like a key idea and then you come back and defend it. And that's what I was noticing about you is the way that you simply put it. So you are giving me the punchline and then you're elaborating on it. And that has been drawing me in every time I hear you speak. <laughs> Thank you. This was perfect. Thank you so much, Kim. Over to you, Sarah. All right. Great question, Kim. Thank you. Anyone else? Who's next? Say your name. Shana here. Shana, go. Hi there. Thank you for the information that you shared today. I do have a question, uh, and, I, and it's this. Uh, does the Socratic method of questioning help communicators with special needs? Have you seen any success with that particular population? This is Shana. I'm done speaking. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Shana. Can you define Socratic method? For me, I'm not, I'm not really good with complex. Oh, questions. okay. It's, it's a format in which you use uh, questioning to, um, to communicate, um, and to communicate effectively. It's like a flow of logic that's used. Gotcha. Thanks, Shana. Yeah, I love, but it all revolves around questioning. Gotcha. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. You're clearly already smarter than me. So I'm pretty sure you could master communication easily. So what, what I would say for Socratic method for special needs kids, definitely, I, I, I've taught most, most of the special needs kids that I've taught communication are, are mostly autistic. That's the special needs category that I've, I've generally focused on. And for that specific group, they resonate just as well as, as any other special needs kid would. But the only thing, the only caveat I would add to that, and feel free to ask me a follow-up question, Shayna, is from my experience, the only difference is the questions are much easier. So I might, so instead of asking something more complicated, like, okay, what's one thing that you would change from today? I might ask something like, how is your day going? How are you feeling right now? Uh, what's something that you enjoyed today? Like something really broad that's easier to answer. And that really helps them build their confidence over time. So the key is it would still ask the questions. The only two layers that would change is make the questions much easier and make the questions less frequent. So you want to bombard them too much because that might lead to some anxiety. And that's also true with kids who don't have special needs. But that's the caveats I would add. But let me throw it back to you, Shane, if you have any follow-ups to make sure I served. Go ahead. No, don't have any follow-ups. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate it. All right. Great job. Great job. Brendan, um, you know, I'm taking acting lessons. I just saw my, my buddy Bobby come in and I'm taking acting lessons and the acting coach, Tom Todorov, I think that's how you pronounce it, right, Bobby? Uh, Todorov. Todorov. He uh, talks about having some monologues. You should always have r roughly six minimum monologues available. And I love that idea, not just for acting, but for speakers, coaches, consultants, anybody in business that does presentations, having something available to you that you can practice uh, in different methods, different for different purposes. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely love love that thought leadership and that idea, Sirach. I'm definitely open to, to new ideas of seeing things. Definitely the, the monologue seems like a fascinating way of approaching it. The, the way I see it is there's a certain order in how we should master things. So I'll give you an example, uh, random word exercise, the filler word removal, uh, getting better with pacing. There's some examples we talked about today on mastering communication. The example you brought forward with Bobby and love the work that you're doing as well, Bobby, is that is where the refinement comes in. So let's say you get to a place where all of your foundation is great. You're mastering your vocal tones. The way that you communicate is great. Then you get to a place where, okay, I've, I've gotten really good at communication, but how can I refine this more by taking acting lessons? So we're definitely in the same camp. I actually uh, do that myself. I, I look at a lot of videos on YouTube on different actors uh, breaking down scenes, and I use that to refine my game. But, but yes, definitely I would say start with the basics and then work your way up to the top for sure. Love it, love it. Hey, guys, we blew away the target, so I just wanted to let everyone know I'm going to give my book away free. So before we go to the next question, if you go to Mike Crock, that's Mike com forward slash free book, you can download Rocket Fuel. Thank you for pushing this over 200. It benefits everybody, including you, those that shared. It's, it's pushing energy out into the world. It matters. And I appreciate you for doing that. Thank you. All right. Next question for Brendan, as we have about 14 minutes left in this segment. Just come off mute and say your name because I'm not really looking for mic flashes. Sorry. 
Uh, I can ask another question if you like. Hey, Bobby, I'll, I'll go, ahead, Bobby. go ahead, Bobby. Um, I just woke up. Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, Brandon, I've seen you around, and I know you're doing all this YouTube um, stuff, understatement, but my question is, as social audio, you know, sort of blows up, it's funny because I remember, like, like being a YouTuber was kind of the thing, um, which it's really, that was kind of how influencers began in my mind it was really that right it was sort of like influencer was synonymous with being a youtuber which wasn't necessarily true but that was really the thing to do although now it seems that that has changed so my question is do you think um that youtube has lost a bit of its shine um do you think it's just like there's going to be more competition do you think that that was the starting point now we're moving on or really being a youtuber is, is still going to have that same cachet moving forward beautiful question bobby well first of all it's great to connect with you and congrats on all of your success and your films and everything that you're doing in the world man amazing to see the impact you're creating and yeah man i i think everyone's got their own opinions on this like i was on clubhouse super early with a lot of the a lot of the i guess the cool kids in the yard who are definitely cooler than me like, you know, I, I see Carmelia in the room and Cret Ninja, you know, and Emily, you know, a lot of the, the early OGs on Clubhouse. And I definitely did get a lot of benefit from being on the platform really early. But I think what I found, Bobby, and this is something I think about as well, because I'm sure you probably noticed I'm not really active on Clubhouse that much these days, is we have to always think about when we when we communicate our brands and our message, what's a medium where people can always access our information? And I think what's great about YouTube, especially today, is that YouTube, even if it's harder to scale a channel than it used to be, that's absolutely true. There's just more, there's more channels than there used to be. But the difference that I would add is that it's very easy to access someone's thought leadership on YouTube. So let's say somebody comes up to me at a conference and I tell them I have a YouTube channel, they can easily open that up and start watching and binging my videos. And the, they gain a lot of, uh, I gain a lot of authority within them in only a few minutes. And I don't have to trade my time for that. So that's really effective too. The other piece that I would add, this is an exercise I teach other people on, is just think about if the goal is to accumulate status, right? And status leads to influence, which then leads to amplifying the ideas that you wanna share with the world. What I always think about is, okay, how many famous people would you know on each of the socials? So if you go to Instagram, you might go, okay, uh, th there's like, uh, I guess, Kardashians. You, you might mean name like 10, 15 people that you feel got famous off Instagram. They'll be like, okay, that's cool. And then TikTok, you'll go, okay, I guess Charlie D'Amelio, Dixie D'Amelio. There's a lot of cool TikTokers, but you don't really know much about their life because a lot of their shares are 60 second clips. You're not building a deep, authentic relationship with those people. So you get a lot of fickle fans, essentially. So if you keep going through the gauntlet, like LinkedIn, how many famous people are there on LinkedIn? Uh, how many people are famous on podcasting? You might say Jordan Harbinger, Lewis Howes, and then you kind of run out of names after 10, 15. You might say Lex Friedman. But what's interesting about YouTube, even today, Bobby, is you literally cannot stop counting the names of the people who were able to accumulate status on a platform and how meaningful that number is. And I still believe today a million uh, followers on YouTube is definitely more influential than a million on any other social media account, except maybe like having e a million emails in your, in your bank. So yeah, I definitely think YouTube will still be relevant. I think a YouTuber as a title still has a lot of status and I think that will remain. It'll just be much harder to scale the channel than it used to. Hope that helps brother. Cool, man. That's good analysis. Love it. Love it. And Bobby, I hope you drank water and club sodas last Bro, night. I um, I anyway, <laughs> Carmelia, I saw you come off mute. Did you have a question for Brendan? Carmelia, I'm going once, going twice. Okay. No, no, no. I uh, I must have just been fiddling around with my car, but no, I'm, I'm good right now. I'm, I'm just listening. Uh, we're moving okay. from the room, bro. Yeah, yeah. We're going we're gonna, to have we're a gonna of... send you to the goulash. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anybody else? Uh, Send Bobby to the gulag. <laughs> yes, th th this is uh, Professor Chris Maffidon out of London, Let's England. go, man. Let's Thanks go. For the work. Let's hear it. Thank you for the work you do. I just wanted to find out more about your autistic projects because we have an ongoing program here. What are the top tips you will give us 
in terms of raising real articulate autistic kids. Thank you. Thank you so much, Professor Chris. Really, really an honor to get to know you. Love, love the accomplishments that you've achieved as well. And congrats on your success. Yeah, what, what I would say, what I would say, Chris, is, you know, surprisingly, and this is something that surprised me in my career, the tips are still very much the same with then, then, you know, right, you know, people with kids who don't have special needs. I, I guess the difference is really just in frequency and simplicity. So let me just go ahead and reshare those three tips to help our, our kids master communication more effectively. But before that, let, let me just do a quick 60 second on why the community, why I believe the education system has not helped us and, and our children get really good communication. So there's a fundamental issue with the education system when we communicate ideas. The first one is every presentation that we give at school is mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Professor Chris, do you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody really says that. So we don't uh, we don't see it as something fun to do. We see it as a chore. I have to do this. I have to do that. The second problem with every presentation we give within the education system is that most of the time we never really get to pick the topic. So it's never, oh, what do you love to do? Do you want to talk about podcasting, communication, real estate? No one really does that. It's mostly, okay, can you talk about Shakespeare? And that's a challenge because people go, what's a Shakespeare? You're like 12 years old. You don't know what that is. And frankly, probably don't really care. No offense to Shakespeare, obviously. And then the third problem with presentation in the education system is every presentation is tied to a punishment. So it's never, okay, class, you know, Professor Chris is going to give this amazing presentation and we're all going to clap for him. And it's going to be amazing. No, it's like, yeah, by the way, if you don't do well, uh, you lose 30% of your grade and all of your dreams might fall apart. So not the best environment for us to, to learn. So what I've done with kids, I, I spent 10% of my time coaching kids. So it makes me better as a facilitator. It's not really for money. And what I've done in the programs I've ran with kids is I've, I've changed those three things. So how do you fix those three? The first one is you have the kid pick the topic. I don't really care what the topic is. They could talk about soccer. They could talk about... Uh, their favorite video game, something that they really care about. So they'll take ownership on the presentation. The second thing is have the kids give feedback to each other on how to communicate better. So what happens is when you have small classes, I mostly coach my executives as kids, and they're all giving each other feedback. Well, they start to build ownership within themselves, or else in a regular educational classroom, no one's really participating in such an interactive way because the classroom size is too big because of just the nature of funding and whatnot. And then the third piece is celebrate every little win that they get and only have them present one presentation. The challenge with the education systems, they're always switching presentations. So it's hard for kids, and I would argue adults, to get really good at presentations because they're always switching all the time. So celebrate their progress, have them only focus on one presentation and let them pick the topic, let them take ownership for what they want to do. And then that's how they get results really, really quickly. Any follow-up questions there, Professor? Just want to check in. Perfect. Looks good to me. Over to you, Sira. Thank you, Professor. Thank you, Brendan. As we wind down the room, we are going to be doing a room switch, I believe, prior to Marvin. Um, so before we do that, I want to and then wrap this up, Brennan, with the question, what's the vision for the future for you? Yeah, absolutely, brother. You know, when I started Master Talk in my basement a few years ago, I didn't really know what the vision was at the time. But I think what I realized in life, because I, because before I was doing this full time, I, I was doing really well as a consultant at IBM. So I never really had any plans to be an entrepreneur. But I think what I, what I noticed and what my business partner taught me is that I have an opportunity to share communication with the world. So my mission in life is I wanna empower every single human being on earth to be an exceptional speaker. That's why I, I guess I put in as many hours as you do Z-Rock to, to help people, to serve people. And, and that's really the key that I wanna leave all of you with, right? How would the world change if you were an exceptional speaker? Have big dreams. Life is really short. None of us are going to live forever. So it's important for us to maximize the potential that we have in life. So focus on that. And for me, what that ends up being is growing my YouTube channel, having that reach millions of people across the world. 
It's making sure that the next Elon Musk, who's probably some seven-year-old girl that nobody believes in right now, I want to make sure that that girl has access to free communication tools and doesn't have to shell out thousands of dollars that obviously she can't afford to, to hire someone to coach her. And that's really my dream, to live in a world where every single genius has access to, to free tools and how to speak so that they can share their ideas with the world and help us make the whole entire planet much better with all of their great ideas. And that's my time. Love it. Love it, man. Thank you so much for pouring into everyone this morning. Thank you all for showing up and listening. Hopefully you took a lot of notes. The most important thing you can do at this point now is go implement something. Take one to three things and implement them and make yourself a better speaker and communicator. There's no reason not to. This, this will change everything for your life to become a better communicator. So Brendan, thank you very much. I want to welcome everyone that just showed up to Breakfast with Champions. Thanks for sharing the room this morning. It's been phenomenal. Brendan, I want to encourage you to go over to the chat and look at all the comments that people made to support and encourage you. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.